You're listening to An Open Dialogue. I'm Violet Howe. And I'm Todrick Kendall. And today we have a very special guest. Um, our guest today is M.K. Meredith. M.K. is a romance author. She is a lymphedema DME manager in the healthcare industry. She is a beloved wife, a mother of two awesome kids, one who is a teenager and the other right on the cusp of teenagership. Um, she's a great friend. She is a college student pursuing her MBA and she's also a breast cancer survivor. And while there are many topics that we could sit and chat about, today we're gonna focus on MK's latest book release, which is not a romance novel or even a fiction novel. The title of this book is Not Your Usual Boob. And this book is written from MK's heart and her own personal experiences from diagnosis through treatment and beyond. So first and foremost, MK, welcome to An Open Dialogue. Hi. Hi, Violet. Hello, Tadra. I am so thrilled to be here. You guys are so kind to make me a part of of this podcast. And uh, of course, it's a lifelong dream. So I am beyond words. Thank you for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) thank you so much for joining us. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, Why don't you uh, start, MK, by telling us a little about your, your journey with breast cancer? Which makes oh it goodness. sound funny. It makes it sound like, like you're, you were on a trip and you said, hey, hey, breast cancer, you want to come with me? Which, you know. Exactly. And, and I, I giggle at the word little. Um, just the idea of a little bit about the journey because it so often seemed like this huge elephant. And my husband would always tell me when I would start to get overwhelmed, he, he would constantly remind me, you can't eat an elephant whole. You have to take, do it one, one bite at a time. So uh, that's definitely something I had to keep in mind through this whole journey. But probably some of the most important information is uh, my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer at 36 and she passed away at 39. So, I was seven at the time. All of my memories of my mom were her having breast cancer. So it's unfortunately been a weird part of my life uh, for my whole life. And I'm 44 now, so it's been a while. I was diagnosed in 2015, in January of 2015, the first time. And had a, I'm the one who found it and went right away to have it checked. I had a double mastectomy February of 2015. And then that started the multiple surgeries I ended up having. There are different markers they look for when it comes to chemotherapy and also whether or not it spreads to the lymph nodes. Luckily for me, it hadn't spread to the lymph nodes. I had a low oncotype, which is something they look at. And because I did a double mastectomy and went on the medication, I didn't have to do chemo. Okay. And then- Yeah, so I, and that was one thing that I was trying to avoid as much as I possibly could. I wanted to avoid chemo. Uh, I have a lot of friends who have had to do it. My mother had to do it. And so often they end up having to deal with uh, lifelong, lifelong impairments, injuries, you know, different things that happen. So if I could avoid it, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, My breast cancer came back again in 2017. And, um, I've had a lot of people ask, how is that possible? But all it takes is, you know, one cell left behind. Mine was called a recurrence because it was in the same area that it had been before and it was the same kind of cell. So 
the doctor said it could simply be one or two cancer cells left behind that got triggered and started to grow. But again, I found it early before it spread, so took those out and also took my ovaries because I have hormone positive cancer and I made way too much estrogen. So the tamoxifen I was on really couldn't, really couldn't um, serve me correctly. So then after that, I was put on um, a medicine called aromacin that helps to block the hormones and here I am. I think it's been seven or eight surgeries now that have been probably wow. the big focus of my treatment between the mastectomy and reconstructions and then I had issues with radiation and so now we think that I am good and, and ready just to continue on with this life with no more no more of these issues so fingers crossed legs crossed toes crossed. <laughs> we're crossing for you too um I can't imagine, well, I can't imagine getting that diagnosis, especially after what you had been through with your mom. I can imagine that that was, you know, terrifying with having your own children and, and everything. Um, but I think even more so for anybody for their, for their cancer, you know, to have a recurrence is, is devastating. But I think you had gone to such lengths and doing the double mastectomy and having all these things done and then to have it recur, I can't imagine um, how, how disheartening that must have been and how scary that must have been. Thank you. Why did you, why did you decide that you wanted to write a book about this? Like I would, I would think that if I had been through this, I would want to kind of like put it on a shelf and never talk about it and never, you know, I, I just think that had to be an incredibly difficult time period in your life. So what made you want to kind of go through that and, and basically relive it on the page and give it to other people? One thing that had happened is when you get this diagnosis, you are kind of inundated with a bunch of different cancer books. There's some free books that hospitals and doctor's office tend to have, and you get those. You go online and you start looking and you order books that seem like they might be able to serve you. Unfortunately for me, most of the books I got just terrified me. They either used super violent language to describe what was going to happen, like with the mastectomy, um, you know, for example, words like chop and, and, um, chop was one of the big ones oh, that wow. it just bothered me a lot, you know? And then yeah. other books would be, uh, like statistics on recurrence on survivability, or it would be, this is what you should be doing. And I even read a book where the recommendation was multiple, multiple second opinions. And I'm one of those people where I need to gather all of my information. I need to sit down and really figure out what's going to work for me and then go ahead and make a decision. I am not good at sitting and waiting and not acting. Like as soon as I found out I had that cancer, I wanted it out of me yesterday. So I need to get my information and then go ahead and make a decision. And so these books were scaring me. You know, they were telling me that husbands leave wives when there's breast cancer. There's a huge divorce rate and... They were telling me basically that everything I was doing, I was doing it the wrong way. And so my husband walked into our room one night and I was crying. I was laying on my bed reading and I was crying and he's like, what's going on? And I said, well, this book says you're going to leave me. And he was like, oh my gosh, what are you reading? And he, he you know, basically plucked the book out of my hands. And, and he told me, he goes, look, these books aren't working for you. You need to recycle them because he's a big recycler. Living, grown up in Seattle, he's he everything we have we recycle, and uh, he told me he's like, 
you need to go ahead and write the book that you wish you could be reading. And the funny thing about that is it oh. was, you know, way back in the beginning of the first diagnosis. So I wouldn't even know at that time what I should write, but it kind of stuck with me. And after uh, probably just a month or so, I, I got started. And then it was after the second diagnosis um, within this past year, even that I had, or 2018, that I, I finished it up. So, so it was my husband's idea, actually, for me to write this. And, and you've said that you wanted it to be different from, from other self-help books. And, and we clearly can know why. We, we can hear why, because they frightened you and were just, you know, not serving you well. How is your book different? What did you, what did you set out to do differently? I like to say, and I could be far reaching, so there can be people that disagree with me, that the book I wrote is kind of like a what to expect when meets eat, pray, love. And the reason I say that is I really wanted a book that could help give patients going through breast cancer, either a newly diagnosed patient, ideas of what to expect so they're not so taken by surprise with some of the things that can happen. And they can be prepared ahead of time. Like, hey, these kinds of things could happen. Um, So if they do, then here are a few things, here are a few tools you can use to be ready for it. Or for patients who have gone through it and are still struggling to find themselves to, to deal with the fact that they had cancer, be able to read this book and in at least one of the many different stories recognize themselves. And that's been, you know, one of the big things is when I've had someone read it, come back to me and say, oh my gosh, that was me. That was me. I wish I had this book right when I got diagnosed. So this book is different because I don't tell you what to do in the book. I give you a heads up and then I give you suggestions on what you can do. But one of the main foundations of this whole thing is you need to know yourself and figure out what is right for you. Everybody has opinions, but they're not you. And so you need to really talk to your doctors, talk to your loved ones, and then figure out what is going to be right for you. So it's lots of suggestions, but I'm not telling anyone. So it's basically helping conquer the fear of the unknown, helping people not feel alone, and then also helping to empower them. Right. I mean, it's very sounds amazingly common sense. Like, where has this book been <laughs> all along, you know? Um, how has it been received so far? What is, uh, you, you told us a little bit, you said, you know, people are saying, where was this book all along? But how, how has the book been received overall? You guys, I struggle to even put into words the importance and oh, I can't even begin to explain. So last week I had a telephone call with a woman I've never met who read my book, who happens to know my brother and said, I need to thank your sister. So my brother's like, well, You know, I happen to know her and I have her number and he set this phone call up and she got on this call and she just started out saying, thank you. This changed my life. And I know that anyone listening can be like, oh my gosh, so cliche. You know, I've never in a million years thought that somebody would say that something I wrote down 
actually changed their life, but she was so sincere and heartfelt and it was what she had needed. It helped empower her to when she had a, uh, an additional diagnosis and the, you know, the, the staff at the off, you know, at the, her doctor's office were telling her, they're like, look, you know, we can try to get you in in the next couple of weeks. And like so many of us, she was about to say, okay, you know, let's see what you have available. But instead she remembered a part of my story where I talked about really being a strong advocate for yourself. And there's no reason not to ask questions and not to push for what you need, because in the end, the most they can say is no, but your fears matter, what you need matters. And so instead she said, you know, that's not gonna work for me. I'm really scared about this. And on top of everything I'm going through, I really need to try to get in this week. And so they looked at her and said, okay. And they went and made her appointment for that week. And it was little stories like that, that she shared with me. And there's another one at the end of about halfway through, I start closing the chapters with then step forward. And she said that has become her new mantra that when she's facing a challenge, she stops for a second, she gathers the information, she starts to make a plan of what she's gonna do. And then she says she steps forward and she even started passing that on to another reader. And it was everything, this phone call was everything. If I never sell another book, this phone call was everything. And as much as That's she- awesome. I. Thank you. I was blown away. I was in tears and as much, and I was telling her, I said, as much as she felt validated by the book to have it reach her and have that kind of meaning and to know that she walked a similar path was so extremely valuable and, and, um, validating to me as well. So it, it was, it went both ways. Well, I know in, in some of the, um, in some of the the things that I've seen um, posts that I've seen about the book and I know in some of the stuff I shared it's, it's basically like having a girlfriend walk through it with you because you know because there's things as we go through life there's things that we don't know about like I know like entering this stage of like perimenopause that my friends are the ones telling me what's going on because you don't know you know you don't know that things are going to happen and I think with with that journey with that diagnosis it's so unexpected even though it was something that you had experience with in your past as you start to go through it you don't know anything about it and so I think you know having having somebody almost like it's not like a girlfriend like reading this book is like a girlfriend walking you through it rather than some clinical perspective of you know a scientist or a medical professional or you know someone who's well-meaning in the information they're giving but maybe not presenting it in in the kindest or most relatable way so um very much is, and i will tell you real quick that it's very conversational the way i wrote it's very informal it's kind of like i'm you know i'm talking to you and i i will let you guys know that I'm a big TMI kind of person. So I talk about how I failed through my diagnosis. And I've talked about how even with that, you know, original story about my husband, you know, me reading the book saying my husband was going to leave me. There were points where my marriage in a very scary fashion was in crisis. Um, and, you know, it, I end up talking about those things so that I can help the readers know this is why those things started happening. And this is, you know, a few of the things you can be aware of to make sure that you're not following down that same path, right? It's like, let my failures lead to your success kind of thing. Right, right. It wasn't always, just because you were aware did make it all rainbows and butterflies. 
No, and I, I didn't always handle things exactly, you know, the right way. And it's one of those things, you don't know what you don't know. Well, your right. loved ones, they don't know what they don't know. And if you're not telling them and explaining it to them, we end up leaving so much room for interpretation that when people start interpreting our actions or our silence even in the wrong way, it can tell the completely wrong story. Right. And then that snowballs because then they react based on what they think it means. And then you react to them based on what they're reacting. So, yeah, it, it snowballs, gets out of control. Well, speaking of TMI, um, and I say that totally tongue in cheek, uh, let's talk about the cover. Because I know there's been a little bit of controversy with the cover. I, for one, love the cover. I think it is so honest. It is so real. It is so relatable and it definitely I think conveys the mood of the book that you were trying to achieve of like you know here it is I'm open I'm honest I'm sharing with you the real me um, so for those of you who are listening and have not seen the cover yet you definitely should google it the book is not your usual boob and it is a picture of MK she is topless with her hand covering all the necessary bits but Let's talk about why that's been a little bit of a controversy. Did you, first of all, did you expect it to be controversial? You know, I didn't expect it to be controversial. I expected it to hopefully catch people's attention. And I purposefully, for anyone who, you know, sees the book, I purposefully put a hashtag no filter because I didn't do any Photoshop and I, um, I wanted to be as real on the cover as I, you know, as I could. And just like I was trying to be as real as I could inside the book as well. So people will see the 30 pounds I gained with the tamoxifen. They see that hanging, you know, poking out over my skirt. And um, when the second diagnosis, I had radiation, it caused a encapsulation and then a contracture that just kept getting worse and worse. And then we weren't quite done with all the reconstruction on the right side yet. One thing with my breast is I used to be really, really chesty, like a 36G kind of a thing. And when you're taking a large ball and trying to make it a small, small ball, that's a lot harder than taking a small ball and stretching it out larger. So that's one of the reasons, you know, it took a bit for us to get to what I have now. But the contracture was made that left breast super hard. And it was moving up and in toward the center of my chest. So the picture on the front, I'm covering the nipples, but you you see that one breast is about four inches lower. The other one is very high and round and moving midline. And I had scars and extra weights and nothing felt right. And I felt totally like I was in this body that I didn't recognize, you know, from the neck down on the inside and the outside especially after the second diagnosis when they took the ovaries too, it's like I was dragging around this stranger and right. they, were, they were just hanging on to my head and I was dragging around the stranger. So, you know, the picture was, was not your usual boob has a lot to do with how my breast cancer came back and they really never expected it to. It was just kind of a, um, an anomaly in a way. And there's more details about that, but then also the, um, you know, just kind of giving people a view of what we cover up when we're out in society every day. Everybody right. else thinks I look fine, you know, and, and since then, since then I've had, um, 
I've been able to complete the surgeries that have fixed that. I'm on different medication. I was able to lose the weight, but when that cover was taken, nobody would have suspected any of that because I covered it all out up when I went out to society, you know? Which is very symbolic that we never know what everyone else is dealing with on the inside or, or what they're, you know, we all kind of like wear this mask in public of who we are and whether we're smiling and happy and bubbly. And there could be physical things that we're covering up, but, there, you know, also emotional things that we're covering up. We don't know what everybody else is dealing with. So I, I, I so applaud your, your bravery. And I know I've, I've told you this, you know, in post and comments, but I so applaud your bravery in doing that because I do think one look at that cover conveys the honesty you're going to find on the inside of those pages. So um, that was an awesome decision. Now, um, Facebook did not applaud the decision. So let's talk about what happened when you tried to run advertisements for the book on Facebook. Well, to be fair, I believe that when Facebook approves or disproves ads in the beginning, it's based off a computer algorithm. And right, so it's not a human being looking at it. Yeah, so they they must have had something that, you know, is basically measuring the, the amount of skin and I my book cover was denied saying that it was too sexual. Which, you know, after going through all of that is, if I would let it be, very offensive because there's nothing sexual about that picture. But let's, but let's talk about that for a second because I think that this is something that, yes, it, it was due to a, a computer, you know, using an algorithm or using a program it had been given. But this is also something that permeates throughout society that, you know, breasts are not purely for sexual purposes. Like we have this issue with women breastfeeding. We have this issue with, you know, how women dress. We have this issue with book covers and what's allowed to be shown and not shown. So I, I find it very interesting that we have no problem whatsoever with a, a, you know, a shirtless male or with a male's chest showing, but it's like the, the female breast is this sexual object that needs to be, you know, hidden and tucked away and God forbid it's seen for any reason other than than sex. So I'm interested in both of your thoughts on that. Well, I know for me, one of my frustrations is that for something like this, we are like for breasts in general, we are putting the responsibility on the woman to keep them hidden instead of on the other parties to respond to them in a non-sexual right. Right. There right. are within context and circumstance, you know, within context, basically simple enough, you should be able to tell if something's sexual. This is a breast cancer book and the title alone, you know, can show that you can tell that that it's not normal. This isn't something where I, you know, the person's in lingerie in a suggestive pose. So and that has its place. This certainly wasn't it. Um, and even for books, you know, like that, I, I really get frustrated when they're they're censoring the breast instead of a person's response to it. Like right. we are all responsible for our own actions, uh, regardless of, of what we're seeing. So that is definitely a frustration. And I, I went back um, and appealed it, telling them there's nothing sexual about this. This has to do with the breast cancer journey. And I know that in their policies and their guidelines that mastectomy scars are allowable. And it was that second time where they came back and they again denied it, saying that it was too sexual of a pose. And so then, you know, my mind was blown. So I I took some other measures. But I am interested too with Tadra. I know you were asking both both of us our opinions on that. So I wanted to make sure I opened it up to Tadra. 
Oh yeah, no. Um, I it's it's so interesting to me the lines that that we draw specifically when we as women can see, you know, this is not this is not a sexual pose. You're not. It's it's a great book cover, but it's not exactly a come hither one, is it? You know, you're not trying to entice somebody to you know <laughs> to read your book for a good time. Um, and and so it's just it's crazy. It's one of those things that um, we've we've had a talk. I have three daughters, and we've had a talk around our home about um, the difference between uh, why why men can go out without a shirt and women can't. You know, that's that's been a big topic of discussion around our house for a long time. So, and how do your daughters feel about it? Like, I'm just I'm just curious. Like the I think you know generationally, I, I know a lot of times younger people have a much more open viewpoint of things or a different viewpoint of things like what's the consensus with your daughters uh, my daughters are, are pretty much well I don't want to go out without my top on anyway you know right right um, uh, my youngest actually uh, who is maybe a little bit more uh, liberal I, I, they're all pretty liberal but she she's probably the most body comfortable and she said well if I wanted to go out you know she she works on a farm if I wanted to go out without my shirt on I don't see why it should be a big deal if men can't keep their thoughts to themselves, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, um, they, they definitely see the difference. We, we definitely have talked about the difference and, uh, and, and uh, no, it's a societal thing. It's, it's not it anything we're going to change right now, but I think it's important to talk about it and be aware of it. And, uh, you know, um, I had another friend who said, well, I don't think men should be without their shirts either. So there you go. We should all cover up. She's from Well, and I'm not I'm not advocating a shirtless society. I just want to go on record as saying <laughs> that. That was not my point. I was not trying to advocate that we all become shirtless. But I do think that um I, you know, I think the the issue that bothers me more than any is the one that I, you know, personally related to, which was, you know, the breastfeeding and the fact that people get so up in arms over that. And I just think this all kind of ties together, you know, with MK trying to promote a book about breast, you know, that that's an issue that, you know, she's showing what the subject matter of the book is. And I think, you know, when people are feeding their child with the, the purpose of breast being used, I mean, there's just so many ways that, um, that they're non-sexual and, and they tend to get slammed. So um, you mentioned earlier, MK, that your brother, uh, the, the lady that you talked to on the phone had heard about the foot from your brother. I think your brother had a very interesting response to the cover controversy. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, he um, took a picture of himself in a black skirt and basically recreated my pose covering up <laughs> you know, with his hands in the same exact way. And he posted it basically just saying, there's no more breast, you know, female breast tissue um, in his post picture than there is in mine, yet his would be allowed. Right. On a cover. Right. And um, so he was kind of calling out the double standard. He really was. He really and was. And, and so then it was really, really very sweet because all the different support on Facebook of different male readers and writers and just people in the community started noticing and saw what he did. And they started taking pictures themselves in the same, in the same manner and then posting it and sharing the book because if Facebook wasn't going to, then they were going to help make sure that they got the word out. And to be fair to Facebook, um, uh, a good friend of mine, another author, Gina L. Maxwell, she had a contact for me with Facebook, and that sweet woman 
with Facebook was able to go in and get it approved for me. And now I'm just working on Amazon because Amazon um, is denying my ad on Amazon for the same reason. The same reason. Yeah, and it's it's just, you know, that's just such a big entity that I've got to figure out if there's a way to get around it without having my, the you know, my cover threatened, you know. Right, because you don't want to push so hard and then take it down and not sell it. Like, right. Because you know. yeah. like yeah, you said, well, I, I think it's a really good match for what you'll find in the, in, in the, inside. Inside the book, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's been um, amazing. All the different pictures, all the different men of different age groups and shapes and sizes and everything being willing to put themselves out there for me. And I will tell you that my brother has only been without a shirt maybe twice in his life. He's not oh. ever been the guy that walks around. So for him to go and do that for me on Facebook in front of the world was incredible because it's not I, something he does. I just loved the show of solidarity and support, not only from your brother, but from all the people. Like I kept seeing all these pictures posted and it just was so heartwarming to know that all these people were, you know, were, were joining in with you and falling in line behind you and promoting it. And, and I think, you know, especially because they're men, this is not just a woman's issue. No, it's it's not, not just something that, you know, men obviously, you know, get breast cancer as yeah. well. But even if the woman does get breast cancer, as you've, as you've been talking about, it affects everyone else in the household. And so it's not just a woman's issue. So to see the solidarity and support from men was great. It was beautiful. And I will tell you too, one of the most surprising things has been the male readers that have read this so far and have reached out to me because it resonated so much with them because of what their loved ones were going through. Right. I had a reader reach out to me and tell me that they sat down and basically read the book in one sitting and cried and laughed. Um, their, their wife is having health issues and you know was very worried and the book really resonated on how, you know, to the perspective on, on how to talk to his children, a perspective on maybe how his wife was feeling. And it affected him so much that he was passing it not only to his wife to read next, but then also to their oldest daughter. And I was blown away that they were going to take my wow. book and share it throughout the family, you know, in order to make, because he felt like it would help all of them in wow. different ways. And so yeah. I've, I've had um, other friends who don't have breast cancer, but have other illnesses that are like a long, difficult journey. And they too have told me the same thing that it wasn't breast cancer, but so many of the concepts and the psychological issues and the body image issues and all of those things were so similar that the book resonated with them as well. So it was really made me very excited. That's wonderful. And speaking of, of people reaching out and, and, interacting with you about the this topic um, you know as authors we're so often told on social media and through our, our branding and our, our interaction with readers that we should um, be careful about oversharing about sharing too much personal information how much did you share with your readers and how did they react did you get a good response overall from all of your readers so I am one of those people that I don't know, I think my husband would laugh if he was listening to this because on one hand, I'm a very, very big rule follower and 
you know, if there is a square, I stayed right in it. If I was told not to go out late, I wouldn't go out late. You know, it's, you go in through the right side of the door, you, you follow rules, that kind of a thing. Um, Girl, that's in my own heart. I, <laughs> and, then, and then there's this other side of me as I have gotten older and have ex- just experienced life where, where as much of where I am still a very um, big rule follower, I am no longer super worried about what everybody else thinks. And if I think that something I have to share is going to help, that I am putting it out there for that person. And for all the people who it doesn't help, then they can just, you know, continue on by. So when it comes to, um, when it comes to the um, readers in, in the, the community, I shared everything from my very first diagnosis, every single surgery, all of it, uh, all the people on, you know, my Facebook community went along with me, were along with me through the whole journey. Wonderful. That's wonderful. And, and you got a positive feedback or positive response from that? Incredibly positive. I had so much outpouring of love, such an outpouring of love. My husband was even blown away, you know, with the first diagnosis and, um, the second diagnosis, the messages, people sending gifts, like they just were. And since then, one of the biggest phenomenal things that have happened is every month I have other writers and readers messaging me and asking me questions, telling me that they got, um, they have a diagnosis, they have to go in for a biopsy, they're scared, they have questions. And I just sit with them and I answer their questions as long as I can. And I try to check in on them and see how they're doing. And so it's been this whole other added thing that I, I didn't even realize was going to happen. It's like a community. It's yeah. kind of like formed its own community. Yeah. It really has. It really has. And it, it's been overwhelming and wonderful. And the funny thing is, is, you know, when people hear about things and, and, and they are on board and they, they love you and they want all the best for you. And then as time goes on, everybody gets back to their regular lives. And then if I post another new thing that has happened, then they're immediately back on board again. And they're like, oh my gosh, you know, whether they're sorry that you have to go through something again, or they're cheering you on because you're still cancer free. Um, it's really been amazing. And so even without the book, being able to be there to answer people's questions and kind of help ease their fears a little bit has been tremendous. All right. Well, obviously, we think everybody should read this book. Um, we think that people who are are going through um, a, a journey like this, either either with breast cancer or with some other illness that they're struggling with, this would be great for them. But as we've talked about, it would also be great for anyone who has a family member or a friend who is going through this. So everybody needs to get a copy of this book. It is not your usual boob. And um, I know you shared earlier that you found this on your own um, and were able to, you know, go in and get early diagnosis and, and get your treatment started early because of finding it. I know from following you on Facebook that you're a proponent of doing those monthly self-exams and being aware. What other advice do you have for women as far as, you know, being aware of their own health, as far as, you know, looking for, for signs and symptoms? Like what, what would you want to share? What would you want to get out there? You know, I think the most important thing is for us not to be afraid of our bodies, just like we were talking about breasts. They're just our bodies. We all have them. And one of the most powerful things that you can do for yourself is knowing your body so that when there is something different, you go to the doctor. 
And I had started a hashtag know and, know and go, like K-N-O-W-A-N-D-G-O, where know what your body looks like, know what it feels like, and if you notice something's different, go ahead and go. You know, that everybody's worth it. You're worth the time, you're worth juggling the schedule, you're worth that double check, because when they can find just about anything early, it can simplify treatment. And it certainly can increase your chances of being able to get through that treatment successfully. So the sooner you know, the better. Um, and a lot of times I find that people will say that, you know, they're, they're just too busy. They don't have the time. They don't want to worry anyone. But the early diagnosis for just about everything is really important. So I think the most important thing is just know your body. Look at it in the mirror. Feel it. <laughs> Cop a feel. Get to know it. And with breast cancer, it can be anything from a lump to a dimple or an area that's pulling in. That's what mine was the first time. Any kind of different discharge from the nipple, any kind of, you know, pain, rashes that don't go away. It's, it's better just to go have it checked from the doctor than it is to put it off. So it's basically anything that's, that's different, that's not usual. Anything that's unusual, right? Yep. right. If, if it's not your usual boob, go have your doctor check it out. There you go. Well, and I know one of the other things that you said that really kind of struck me was when you were talking about, you know, one of the parts of the book that that lady had taken to heart was you talked about her, you know, advocating for our own health, making sure we speak up at the doctor's office. And, and I know, I think, I think for a lot of us, like it's hard, you're in the doctor's setting and it's kind of a rush setting and, and you know, you feel like you're taking up time if you answer questions and sometimes they kind of rush you or sometimes kind of gloss over your questions, but we need to be better at, at being advocates for our own health and speaking up. Um, what else would you say women can do to, to kind of, stay on top of things and, and be aware of their own health and be their own best advocate? I think asking questions, you know, if you're going to know your body, you're going to go get things checked when they're different, speak up to your doctors and push for testing or them to check again. For example, when I first went to have this lump checked the very first time, the doctor's like, well, I really can't feel anything. But I knew, I knew I could see in certain lighting that it was pulling in on the skin and I could feel it. And so I told her, I'm like, look, if you try to feel it again when I'm laying down and she's like, oh, I just can't tell. And I'm like, it is there. And so she's like, okay, just to be safe. And they sent me for a mammogram, 25 films show nothing because I have very fibrous tissue and it was just a big webbing of white. So again, I told them there is something there. I doesn't, I don't care that you can't see it on the, you know, in the films. So they sent me for ultrasound and it was immediate. It was a new tech who hadn't been completely trained. And when she started it, she did an audible gasp, like, <gasps> so I knew right away uh, when I was in that point appointment that there was something there. So ask questions. Um, push to have your needs met and your fears, you know, relieved in one way or another and really know your body. And be confident in your own tuition, your own intuition. Absolutely. The, the worst that can, yeah, because the worst that can happen is, Hey, nothing's there. That's way better for me to be mistaken than it is for me to be right. And the next year or six months down the road, they go and look and now, it's something that was there and it spread and now it's a much more difficult to treat. Right. It's okay for us to make mistakes. I think so many people are these days are afraid to push 
when they strongly feel about something because they're afraid that if they're wrong, they're, they're going to look silly or cause an imposition, you know, just making that mistake. But we're a huge Star Wars family, huge Star Wars family, and Yoda always says that um, failure, the greater, greatest teacher is, I believe is the, the quote. My husband would be right, so proud of right. me right now. <laughs> and you know, it's, it's, it's that, that idea of don't be afraid to fail. It's your health. So if there's nothing there, great, then you can go home feeling comfortable that you've done everything you needed to, to, to protect yourself. And do you feel that as women, we have a tendency to want to to keep things smooth, to just go along with it. And if the doctor says, no, you're fine, we just say, okay, I guess I am, and go along. Um, Absolutely. I think we try not to rock the boat and, and try not to, you know, be in position. And, you know, so many women are the caregivers, so having to put yourself into a position where you need to be cared for is very difficult. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, this is great information, and I'm hoping that everybody is, is getting excited about being proactive. So aside from, um, from this book, what is next for you? We know that you're working on your master's, right? Do you have any new romance novels coming out, or maybe more self-help books? I do have, so I have a series I love called Love, um, Kate Van Buren, and the first set this series is set up as an ongoing saga. So the first trilogy is on the Cape trilogy with uh, Love on the Cape, Honor on the Cape, and Cherish on the Cape. And I am now working on the next trilogy, which are North Cove romances. And I am working on the very first book of the next three books in this series. So I'm very excited about that. Um, and yes, I'm getting my MBA. I'm just one of those people that is very achievement driven and I took some time off uh, in you know corporate America and was writing full-time and with my children and though I'm still writing I kind of hopped back into that and and uh, was newly promoted to a management position and I just want, really want to kind of keep keep growing you know keep learning um, taking advantage of the time I have to to keep doing better if I can and so, yes, while I'm doing that day job, I'm, I'm still writing and I have uh, the next three romances will all hopefully be released in uh, 2020. So we shall see how that works out. Hooray. Before we go, we, we kind of just touched a little bit on romance, but let's talk a little bit more about the Scripted for Love series. And you, you told us a little bit about On the Cape and that you have some more coming out there. So how do we find these and, and tell us a little bit more about them? Okay, I would love to. So as I mentioned, Cape Van Buren and On the Cape, um, that series is set in a fictitious town called Cape Van Buren off the coast of uh, the Maine. And Ooh, it is cool. definitely a community that wants the happy ever after for everyone in that town. And the base of that community is a wonderful grandmother named Maxine Van Buren. And she is the life of that town knows everybody knows everything and makes the finest kind of moonshine ever to become on earth <laughs> and then in the scripted for love series that is set out in malibu in the film industry uh, but it is not so much the glitz and glamour hollywood romances that you find as much as your 30 somethings out there struggling to try to make it in the film industry and uh, the romances are 
steamy and very swoony with strong characters and I, I really try to make the characters as real as I possibly can. So we all love strong heroines, but they may not be strong all the time because that's part of our journey is, is the mistakes we make and how we grow and how we respond to those challenges. And so I, I hope that, you know, the fine, the same with my heroes. Uh, and finding me, I am all over your favorite retailers um, online in print and digital. So whether you go to Apple, Kobo, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you'll find me there. You'll also find me on mkmeredith.com on my website. Fabulous. Um, I have to ask, would you ever think about or have you considered um, incorporating your journey with breast cancer into one of your fiction books? Have you, uh, have you considered doing I that? absolutely have. In the Kate Van Buren series, there will be a trilogy that is... Um, located in the town center and that that part of the series i actually have already started working on a a, a woman who has breast cancer and um i plan on hooking her up with a um a, a hero who's really gonna be an integral part of of her helping of her finding herself Awesome. awesome. That sounds so good. Very, That's very good. good. Um, now, you mentioned that as far as the romance series, they can find them on all their favorite online retailers. What about Not Your Usual Boob? Is that everywhere, or where can they find that if they want to pick up a copy of that for themselves or for a friend? Yes, Not Your Usual Boob. Um, it's the good, bad, and wonky of breast cancer, and it can be found on my website at mkmeredith.com. There's a link in there, but then also at all your favorite retailers online as well, and it can be purchased in both digital and print. Okay, awesome. Now, what if our listeners, like us, have been just awed and inspired by you, and they want to follow you, and they want to keep in touch, and they want to know what's happening in your journey? How can we follow you? I love, love, love to connect. Violet knows that I'm a big extrovert. I love hugging and meeting people and having conversations and being around. So I am easily accessible on Facebook, whether it's the Facebook uh, profile page or my author page. I check my messages. I have great conversations with people there. Also, you can easily go to mkmeredith.com and up in the corner is all of my social media follow follow buttons. So I'm on Instagram okay. and Twitter, um, Facebook, Pinterest, I'm those places as well. And then also, you know, mk at mkmeredith.com is my email. And so I, I am very open to answering questions or talking to anyone in that way as well. All right. Awesome. awesome. Well, thank you so much for yes. joining us today. I feel like I've, I've learned a lot Me and, too. um, definitely wish you all the best with getting this message out there and getting this book out there. I definitely think it's something that is needed and, um, and can be something that would be a real help to others. So um, we love dealing in fiction and we love dealing in happily ever afters and romance, but you know, real life happens. And so it's very, very nice to have something that's going to be a, a nice companion when you're going through one of those difficult journeys. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Well, Tadra and Violet, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful experience, and I'm so thankful and touched that you would allow me to be part of an open dialogue and be able to share this with with um, with your listeners. 
Well, thank you. And we thank you guys for listening. We so appreciate you being here. Um, if you would like to follow an open dialogue, we have a Facebook page, an open dialogue. And we um, are also have an email address. If you'd like to reach out to us, it's an open dialogue one at gmail.com. And of course, if you want to follow either me or Tadra, you can reach me on all the regular social media channels, no Violet Howe or they're Violet Howe.com. They're allowed to follow both of us, right? It's not an either or. No, I was going to let you say your own information. No, because you said you can follow Todger or Violet. So that's what I was saying. <laughs> well, no, you can follow both choose, of us. Like, you know, you don't have to one. pick one or the other. <laughs> Although I will say if you follow one of us, you kind of get both of us because we appear on each other's social media pages quite this, often. This is true. So, so Todger, would you like to give your information? Well, if you if you insist, I guess I will. Uh, I'm at ToddgerCandle.com. I'm on Facebook, um, uh, you know, on my author page. Um, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, and I have a newsletter. So yeah, lots of places. You, you really can't escape me, so don't try. There you go. She's everywhere. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. We look forward to um, talking to you. So please make sure you go to our Facebook page and comment on this podcast. Thank Thanks. You. Bye, everybody. Bye.